Hey guys, ECRG here, back with another episode. Today I've got a very, very special guest with us today, uh, Dan Sfera with the Clinical Trials Guru. Thank you so much for being here today, Dan. How's it? Thank you. It's very hard not to say your name. You know, it's uh, you've <laughs> got to you, ECRG. You've got to say ECRG. You've got to say ECRG. Hey guys, ECRG here, back with another episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for uh, being here today, Dan. Um, I know a lot of people have probably, or or maybe they haven't yet, but they have seen uh, what we did on your channel a couple weeks ago, um, that nice little interview. So if you haven't seen that, go check it out. We'll be talking uh, slightly different topics today, um, but still, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about clinical research, obviously. Um, so first off, I know you recently moved. How's everything going with the move? Um, oh, man. Yeah, it's been tough. It's been tough. I mean, I guess there's, uh, you know, there's better things to complain about than my move. But yeah, it was uh, not the smoothest experience. Uh, but it's we're starting to recover. <laughs> Are you all packed? Are you all uh, everything out of the boxes now? Or no? Okay. <laughs> That's the thing. When you live somewhere for like 13 years, you just accumulate a lot of things you don't want. And so now this weekend we got to go through what we're actually going to keep and what we're not going to keep. So it's a, yeah, it's hard to say goodbye to certain things. I hear that. I moved actually last year and I still have a couple boxes lying around with stuff. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, it might, it might signify that you really don't need that stuff in those boxes though. <laughs> I think so. Like even what we have already have in the house, we've been here two weeks. Like I'm okay. I just, have a little less clothes than I normally do, so I'm like recycling the same outfits over and over. But when you work primarily from home, I don't think it matters. Uh huh. Exactly. Exactly. So speak. Speaking of the move, you know I've been following you probably 2014 heavy. 2014 wow. until now, heavy is when old I started school, following man. you. Old school. Yeah, old school videos. Um, so why would someone who you know has a you know, this big YouTube following and clinical research, you know, you've got a few sites in the California area, not to mention doing all this, uh, you know, contract CRA and Academy and stuff. Why would someone move? Why would someone like you decide to just up and move and, uh, potentially leave all that behind? <laughs> um, that's a good question. A couple reasons. So the pandemic really, I think I didn't expect this, but I just started seeing, okay, well, I'm working from home more now. And then it started turning into, all right, well, the sites here in California are less important because they're being managed day to day by someone else. I typically only get involved when there's issues, like we need a new PI. So we just got a new PI at one of my sites. I'm very bullish on that site again. We're about to open another clinic risk-free relatively risk-free we can get into that too so i'm going to be going back and forth to la a lot i'm only three hours and a half drive from la uh, but okay. i'm technically in arizona i'm in the middle of the desert out here i'm uh, <laughs> california is 15 minutes away from me the border and then the mexican border is 20 minutes away from me and i'm like in the hills in between all this stuff is, is my house like i'm way out out of the city so how how do you like that? Do you like do you like it? I, I mean like I guess it. you're relatively new. I've always been a city guy, but I've I've uh I went to school in U of A uh in Tucson, so like I'm very familiar with Arizona. 
My wife's family is from here. It's not like a random place we picked. My wife's family is from here. We are thinking of finally having kids. And it was very important with all the work I do that we have a support system here that we can tap into. Yes. So this, this is back to your first question why I moved out here. There's a number of reasons. Taxes was one. The pandemic was another one. Taxes was a big one. Let's, that was like the main catalyst. So, you, so you're only worried taxes. about that if you're making a lot of money. So that's what that means. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. When you, yes, there's a tax bracket. You don't need to make a lot more than what I was making to jump a tax bracket. And if I would have known that in hindsight, I would have made less that year. Right. So I was like, okay, maybe Arizona is not a bad idea. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, that's a, that's a big thing. A lot of people, I know a lot of people were trying to move out the uh, out of California uh, during the pandemic. Yeah, and California's got its own problems too. I mean, not to get into politics, but, and I'm a libertarian. I'm independent, registered independent. I've never voted president-wise for any Republican or Democrat. I've always voted independent. I've voted um, the always the Green Party or the the Libertarian parties uh-huh. uh, my entire life. But there's a lot going on in California where it's gone, I think, a little too far left. And I think there's a lot of pushback. So it'll be interesting to see. The plan is to go back in five years. And honestly, the plan wasn't to have a clinic here. Like, that wasn't one of the reasons why. I came out here, mm-hmm. but as I was coming out here, I was like, look, there's no research out here. This is actually lines up perfectly with what we're doing with Latinos in clinical research. Like it's exactly what I recommend people do. If they want to start a site, go in a place where there's no competition. This is exactly like my own medicine. I was like, all right, maybe I need to do this. So right. Started from the ground up, started vlogging that recently. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about that too. There's actually a lot of opportunities here. So it's kind of like proving your own recommendations and what you tell your clients and students to do, but you're doing it in real time. Basically, like the, if it was LA, I wouldn't do another site. It's just so many, there's not a need for another site. I don't think in a big city like that. I mean, yes, there's a diversity issue. We need more minorities in studies. The only way I think we're gonna get that is to have more sites. So from that perspective, yes, no matter where you're at, I think the industry needs you if you have a patient database. I don't care what city you're in. Miami, L.A., those are the two most competitive ones. But it's like a no-brainer when you come to a place like this, 200,000 people. So it's not a small city. But, I mean, where I'm from, this is small. (laughs) But it's not not like actually a small city. 200,000 people is not small. And no research. And like 60% Hispanic So, and a big reason is I just didn't want to be bored either. Like I actually like, I like building and I like challenges. I don't like managing. So I like to take something to where it needs a manager. And then someone like Chris comes in or someone like Monica comes in and kind of runs the show. And then I can go do something else. I'm always like looking for what's next. And I guess that's part of why we started a site out here too. Okay. So is it the same, I guess, team that you had before in California working on your building the site with or? Uh, just me and Chris. Monica's got, we got a lot of planned with Monica too. We got a site in LA that we're consolidating two smaller sites into a bigger site in LA. Okay. Uh, so we'll be doing some videos around that. And then we have our other site in San Bernardino, which we just got a new PI 
So that's when I had to get involved. When one PI gets frustrated, I said, hey, Dan, we need a new PI. So I had to go out there and find one. I got a really good one, Dr. Z, Marco Zahedi. Uh-huh. I did a few videos with him. I got to do more. That guy's a go-getter. He's hungry. He's he's young. He's like 39, 40. He's exactly my age. And, yeah, he's just starting. So that's a, that's a good clinic uh, in San Bernardino. Okay. So you said um, your, your one PI was getting frustrated. Yes. For those people that are, you know, I guess anyone could benefit from this, whether you're at the site level or the CRO level, what kind of things – would make a PI frustrated with the site? And then how do you determine what makes a good PI later on? It's one of the hardest things, man. It's a complicated answer. It's like asking, you know, what causes cancer? Uh, because there's, if you ask oncologists, there's like thousands of possible factors. So what right. makes a PI get frustrated? Thousands of things. I think you, the site could not be doing well financially. The PI—that's uh, more obvious. The PI could get frustrated. In our case, that wasn't the case. The case was we were very stable and we were doing very well to the point where we bought a building. And that's another fact. I mean, things change when you start making money, and then your partners start thinking, "Well, okay." Why do I need to still be the PI? Because they see, I think the PI sees, all right, Dan tra- hired a replacement for himself, basically. Chris still does it, but he's not really day-to-day. Mm-hmm. But me as the PI, I mean, I am still have to do everything from day one. And that's that's a frustrating, That's that's getting frustrated because of success, not because of failure, which... Interesting. I think people don't talk about it enough. Uh, PI dissatisfaction can come from a lot of places. Right. Well, that's interesting. You're talking about it was the success of the, the site yes. caused the frustration, I guess, in hindsight. Um, yeah. So was that something that um, you talk about, you know, you guys being able to replace yourselves because of the, uh, I guess, the money was able to support that. You're able to hire people to do the kind of right. jobs that you were doing. Right. Is that something that eventually, I mean, obviously the PI still needs to be on the study, but hiring sub eyes to work on the study to kind of limit their load and, you know, more coordinators. Is that something that could have been done too? All right. It could have been done, but here's the thing. It's much easier to get someone and train them to be a coordinator than it is to get someone to be a psychiatrist. You know, I mean, your, 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 your pool of talent is like way less a handful like uh, and then if all handfuls say no what are you going to do i mean you're going to keep doing the business right right so that that's something that i think a lot and not enough site owners think about and by the way we're still doing studies with this pi but we we do have another one and we kind of made two separate companies in one at one address because it's a building we own right so all the psych stuff we still do with our former with our our current business partner on one business and then all non-psych studies we're doing with our new PI, uh, Dr. Z, who's a go-getter. But I don't think it's necessarily anyone's fault of what happened. I think it's just mature. I don't know if it's maturity. It's just the way businesses evolve. Right. I mean, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, when you have four owners, a lot of dynamics are there. Okay. Okay. 
Uh, that's definitely good because, uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of these influencers and quote unquote gurus all over Instagram, they only talk about the good stuff, right? They oh, talk yeah. About the on highlights. The jet, <laughs> exactly. The jet. You know what? The closer to reality is, and we never made money to have private jets, but we bought real estate. Like, success can be equally bad for the company or for the partners as failure. I mean, uh -huh. at least in the failure, you guys are all failing together, but with success, now you start breaking down, okay, maybe everyone's making the same amount of money, but now you start looking closer, okay, well, who's doing the work and why am why are we sharing it if I'm doing like 35% and he's only doing 15? Right. It gets it, so this why I always say, never rely on just one PI. Never. Never always even if they're a partner, things can happen. I mean, frustration, like maybe it's not even like a breakup, maybe they get sick. One of my current PIs, she got breast cancer, man. And this, wow. um, I mean, and we have a really good relationship with her. And I mean, she's not talking much about it, but so we have to speculate. But, you know, we have to merge that site. It's a very small site with our other small site with another PI. And then there's a third one into a bigger one in L.A. So that's the one you're going to see on some videos here and there. Okay. That that that's my reason for going to LA <laughs> every month when I, I get bored of uh Arizona, I'll just go out there. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> that's good to know. So are you I know one of the things that you are advertising a lot in your uh programs is the ability to get on-site actual hands dirty kind of experience. Yeah. Is is that something you're still able to provide right now with your with the new site? Um yes. We ha since the pandemic, we have not had any intern physically come in to okay. this day. We've done everything remotely, and it's actually even better because you don't have to pay for a flight and a hotel and all that stuff. Uh, and it's a breast cancer study, which we only started offering that uh, right around the pandemic, actually, like a little before the pandemic. So you basically can do more internship without traveling by doing our breast cancer study. Uh, they're basically junior CRAs doing IMV reports. Okay. But instead of like doing one IMV report for all the patients, because we have a lot of patients in this study, we, we do one IMV report per patient. That's the only difference between like what you do as a CRA when you go out and what our interns do is, hey, focus on patient two. Your report is going to be all about patient two. Your next one's going to be all about patient three and so on. Okay. That's definitely good stuff. And of course, you know, we all know this industry is all about experience. It's not really about your fancy degrees and all this stuff. It's all about experience. So really, I don't even recommend you spend a dime on anything unless they've given you experience. Absolutely. Um, so that's, that's how why... to spot a scam. That's actually how to spot a scam in this industry is, you know, do, I saw like the other day, Monica sent me a link to some program I never heard of. Pay 300 bucks and get certified as a CRA. That's nonsense. <laughs> you and I know that's nonsense, right? Yeah, I, but somebody who's just learning doesn't know it's nonsense. They think that there's actually a certification. You're right. I mean, I get emails all the time about what certification should I go get? And the reality <laughs> is you really just need experience. I mean, because they're going to give you all the certifications you need once you start working anyway. That's right. Um, ACRP, they usually think ACRP and SOCRA, but those places are not meant for entry level. Like they right. don't want to talk to you. Right. They don't want to hear about you until you're like two or three years in. Exactly. I mean, you can't even take the exam, I think, uh, for one of one of them until you've had 
some years of experience. Yeah, it's almost like it's an hour. At the time I looked, it's an hour. It basically translates into like three years. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what where people are getting this this information from. I guess it's, it's the marketing <laughs> of these big companies. But it's a bad word of mouth. You know, yeah. there's good viral marketing and there's bad viral marketing. And in this case, I see a lot of this bad viral mark. I also see a lot of scams where people are training CRAs and they're doing their CVs for them on companies that don't even exist. And they're putting like senior CRA on their resume. And then they come to me and say, hey, I just want to do your internship. But hear me out. Here's why. I don't need your academy because I'm a senior CRA. Here's my resume. So <laughs> I used to get curious. So I would Zoom like we are right now. Yeah. And I would say, okay, well, what's 1572? What's IRB approval? They're like, huh? What, what are you talking about? Right. I'm like, how are you a senior CRA? You don't know the basics. The basics. That's the absolute basics. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, senior, even like a clinical research assistant first week on the job wouldn't know what that is. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of scams out here and there's a lot of fake CRAs, but I think um, the companies are really starting to crack down on it now. Yeah. Um, I know the there's company... actually a list. There's a list of fake companies. It's a long list. I know this recruiter who told me that and I'm like, hey, check if my company's on there. It's not. <laughs> so far, it's not, but it's only a matter of time because of what I started seeing ECRG, I almost said your name. What I started <laughs> seeing is on LinkedIn, this person that was interested in the CRA Academy messaged me. So I looked at their profile and they put that they're a senior CRA for my company. Like on their LinkedIn, I told them, man, you're going to get me blacklisted. Like you can't do that. You need to take that off right away. Right. You, you can't be doing that. That's messed up. They're about to yes, get you in is. trouble. <laughs> they are. It's a good thing I know a few recruiters. So if we do get on that list, they'll tell me and then I can tell them, hey, no, no, take us off. There you go. There you go. So uh, let me let me ask you this. The pandemic obviously has been the talk of the town the past you know year and a half or so. Um, and I think last time when we uh, we talked a couple weeks ago, we talked about it uh, mainly from the you know the CRO and sponsor side of things, how it was affected, um, and especially you know I'm a CRA, so I talked about it, you know, remote visits and remote monitoring and that kind of stuff. But from the site's perspective, how how did sites typically handle, um, you know, the change to the remote monitoring, less CRA monitoring um, on site and, you know, even not even being able to go on site? How did how did your sites handle that? And then can you speak to largely like how sites, I guess, nationwide handled that? Yeah, I mean, I think people started getting scared around March, panicking around April may and then june things started getting back to normal but it was like a false hope because the second wave came as oh, we yeah. all know oh, yeah. in the winter but since that june of last year monitoring's back like i mean you know you you go to sites now right like most of them yeah most sites like the ones that won't let you in are usually the academic medical centers yeah but the smaller sites like the ones that i own or consult for I mean, they prefer in-person visits and, you know, they prefer the monitors to come in rather than the remote monitoring. Almost, It's almost 100% of the cases where they prefer that. So from June of 2020 till present, I think monitoring's 
back to normal and sites sites only had to really adapt for like three months or so okay did did you notice any issues with like funding as opposed as opposed to like getting paid for in-person visits versus remote visits was there like a funding decrease or anything like no. that no no the budget stayed the same so it was just you know the monitor with sdv remotely as opposed to coming in usually sites get paid when the monitor sdv and then confirm the visits so then that usually triggers a payment so whether they do that inside or remotely it doesn't really matter um but i do know a lot of sites increased requested a extra budget uh extra overhead due to the extra cleaning that they had to do um oh i see especially in the midst of covid like they had to hire professional like medical grade cleaners um the materials was more expensive as you know the materials harder to find yeah i mean try finding lysol or any hospital grade disinfectant yep in like april of last year impossible <laughs> <laughs> yeah so they they asked for increase in overhead and i think a lot of the sites have been able to continue getting that overhead um chris does most of the budgets but i talked to him enough now and definitely with my new clinic out here in yuma uh he's negotiating the budgets for us so we're, yeah we're asking for and we're taking all those precautions too okay that's good to know um so I guess my next question would be 2021, you know, I guess a lot of people might be scared to go out and start a site in, in the middle of COVID um, or even yeah. coming out of COVID. So mm -hmm. is starting a clinical site in 2021 for someone who doesn't have any background information about starting a site, is that still feasible in 2021 and beyond? It's never been a better time. If there's the big, if, if you're the right person to start a business, first of all, um, and if you're willing to like get a lot of rejection, but yes, the industry needs diversity. There's no way, there's no possible way to get more diversity, more blacks or Hispanics or Asians enrolled in research outside of building research clinics in those communities. And so it's never been a better time for research naive physicians. Sponsors don't care if you're a new site. They care about your PI. Right. So at the end of the day, we're talking about research naive physicians here. If they're partnered with somebody who knows what they're doing, preferably a study coordinator, uh, you could be successful. You just need the biz dev part taken care of. Like you need to, this, this is what my live stream was this morning. You need to be on clinicaltrials.gov. You need to be constantly looking for study leads what's new networking with other sites and just emailing like 10 15 20 leads a week if not a day until you start getting some studies and then hopefully you have the patient thing taken care of which is why you're presumably why you're opening the clinic in the first place is you have access to patients that the industry needs so yeah never been a better time but also um it, this is one of those businesses where it has so many moving parts. It's very easy to fail mm -hmm. and lose a lot of money very quickly if you don't know what you're doing. So how do you, how much money do you need to start a site? So it could range. Okay. My site in Yuma, I spent a hundred dollars on our logo. And I never do a logo first, but my wife insisted we'd get a logo. <laughs> so I got a logo. I got a website. 
so that's 800 bucks. I got an email. My email was free through Squarespace. I got okay. a free Gmail account for a year. I negotiated no rent with my PI. So zero. I will be the coordinator. I will eventually pay a coordinator 3000 a month once we get our first study. Okay. So I paid almost nothing. Uh maybe the pi didn't have enough space or maybe the pi says no get your own place that's a little riskier you got to now take out a lease try not to ask for personal guarantees you also need to buy the equipment which if you're using a doctor space guess what they come with most of the equipment you need and they let you use it they even let me use their ma's like hey doctor uh we have this patient here. I, I'm not going to draw the blood. Can one of your MAs do it? And they just go do it. You know, I give them like 20 bucks. You bring them a Starbucks, you know, like for a thank you. Thank you for the blood draw. Okay. Stuff like that. So, okay. So you basically start, I mean, you're talking $1,000 or less here for startup. That's right. That's like insane for a business to have such low startup, especially one with the potential to be this successful. Right. The thing is, you have to sell yourself to the doctor because I guarantee you this doctor would not have said yes if he can tell that I didn't know what I'm talking about. Like me 15 years ago, I don't think he would have said yes. Okay. Right? He would have maybe charged me or maybe told me to like lease my own place right next to him and then he'll come. But I'm taking on more risk. So a lot of it has to do with your your expertise so if you're a CRA, you can leverage that expertise. If you're a coordinator, you could leverage that expertise, and then you come across as knowledgeable. But if you're somebody who just like got the idea yesterday, I mean, you got to do your homework. You got to really know what you're doing. Like, go volunteer at a site. Go be a coordinator somewhere for three months. Just do something so that when you talk to these doctors, that they that they're more inclined to say yes. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think definitely coordinator was probably the best fit to do this because even as a CRA, I mean, I don't think, I don't think I could go run a site tomorrow. I don't think I could do that. I think you could, (laughs) because I, I know you, but well, I know you well enough, I guess, to make that assessment. Like I'd bet on you, but there are some CRA, CRA is tricky, man, because CRA, they're entitled and not, I don't know about you. I don't think you're entitled. But a lot of CRAs are entitled. We get a lot of calls from CRAs that say, hey, I'm fed up with my job. I want to start a site. I saw Dr. So-and-so open a clinic, and they're doing well, and it's nothing fancy. I know all the regulations. Okay, yeah, you do, and you're a CRA. But have you ever been a coordinator? Have you ever like dealt with a patient when they don't feel like coming? Have you ever dealt with a patient's family when they don't feel like coming? Have you ever got through an SSV uh, and and convinced the other CRA that you're a right fit when your PI is research naive. Like, those are things you got to do. And I don't think as a CRA you're prepared to do that because as a CRA, you're taught to follow protocol and just be in this, like, little box. You're right. Especially, That's a problem. Especially at a CRO where they are very, very uh, – it's kind of like they're in a train tracks and they have to stay within the, the tracks. Yeah. Like they can't really go off of it, especially because they have at a CRO or like these large companies, they have other people to do their job. Now, maybe at like a small, small firm where you have to wear many hats, 
Yes. You might understand more of like, you know, startup process because I know for me, I only, I only know about what's going on when they're, when I have to go on site and do a selection visit or an SIV. I don't really know about this stuff to get there necessarily, or, or I don't know deeply about it. I just know what I need to do to go select them to get it, to get into the study. Hopefully they send you to select our site. For the study. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see. You never know. But yeah, CRAs is tricky, man. And you'll be surprised. There's, I get tons of CRAs, cocky. I love CRAs, but the ones who tend to call me are like entitled. I know all this. Okay, then why don't you have a PI? <laughs> oh, well, that's why I'm calling you. Well, okay, you need to find a PI. I don't know how I can help you. You know, you need to have these conversations with it. It's not that easy. It's right. not like you know your knowledge doesn't mean anything in the practical world. I mean, what are you going to do for that PI? What, and then how are you going to get those patients? That's your knowledge has to, your skill set has to change. Right. But Dan, what I'm, what I'm thinking is, so you, you starting this up with a thousand, less than a thousand dollars, but even if you had to pay a, you know, him for, to use a, a room in his clinic, right. let's say that was like, like 400 bucks a month or something just to use that room. Out here, that'd be fair. Yeah, that's probably. Fair. Okay. Okay. Five hundred. Let's say five hundred. In LA, that's not fair. <laughs> right. 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 It'd probably be triple that. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's just say five hundred dollars. So even then, you're still only talking, you know, fifteen hundred dollars for the right. startup fee for the first month, and then five hundred dollars a month after that. Right. So it sounds like you're getting a better deal out of this. Um, but what does the PI get out of this? The PI, in my situation, the PI gets 20% of the gross revenue. Okay. So a revenue current, share? Yeah, 20% of the gross, like off the top. Okay. Um, that's what he's getting. I really want to make this PI a partner. And I think, so a lot of my meetings lately, I've already convinced them to do it. We're applying for studies already. We're not even talking about that anymore. We're on the next phase. How do we do this study that we could potentially get? Where's the Durham? I need a sub buy. I need an ophthalmologist. We're talking more like X's and O's at this point. Right. But I'm doing separate meetings with him and his partner on selling him the vision for why he should be a partner. Right? Because when you find somebody that good and checks all the boxes, it behooves you to partner with them. And yes, if you don't grow, he's going to make less as like, let's say a 25% equity partner, because at that point you're only getting 25% of the profits right? as opposed to 20% of the gross. Right. Okay. But when you start selling him on the idea, well, 20 minutes away, there's another city with an NP. We can get the same studies there. Their doctors can do it. Now you're getting 25% off of that too. You don't even have to even ever go there. So now I'm selling him on the vision. That's the phase I'm in now. Um, and I think it's working. I mean, he's a, he checks all the boxes. He's getting ready to retire, but a huge practice, open to re easy to work with. He checks all the right boxes for me, but I still need to find more PIs, you know, like, don't ever depend on one. Even if that one is going to be your partner, find others. You know, there's, right. there's, I mean, anything can happen. I told you about the PI I currently had with, that got breast cancer. Right. You know, that's life. 
And Dan, you've been talking about that for years now. I've, I've met, I remember yeah. <laughs> you back in you know 2017 talking about always have multiple PIs if you can. And it's not easy to do because even for me, like I'm not actively searching for new PIs here yet because I just got this guy. Right. Right. So I'm like kind of, I'm not in relax mode. I'm, but I'm, my activities are geared towards getting studies now, as opposed to getting other doctors. But there's a nurse practitioner business partner who I've also sold the vision to, and he's looking at other doctors in in even more underserved areas out here. Like the outskirts of this small town is like really small border towns. Mm-hmm. Like I'm in a small border town that's 20 minutes away from the border. We're talking two minutes from the border. Wow. The cities. The, so that's where we're going to expand to out here. So the, is the land cheap and the cost of living cheap out there too? Well, I guess everything's cheap compared to, to LA. but Compared to California, yeah. But you know what? My neighbor to the left behind me and this way, this one hasn't been built yet. They're all California. Yep. <laughs> all of them. Yep. And mainly, well, most of them for political reasons. But um, in my case, it was taxes first. It wasn't, honestly, it wasn't politics for me. It was taxes and the ability to opportunity have a support system for the family and then the opportunity. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. So pivot, pivoting a little bit, you know, we've given, we've talked a lot about how people can uh, build a site, um, or something that they can look forward to, but that's not people, that's not for people that, you know, are just looking to get into the industry Mm. or people that have only been in the industry like a year or two. That's, that's kind of down the line a little bit. Right. So now let's talk about people that are trying to get into the industry. Now, yes. of course, I learned a lot of a lot of how to do that from you watching those OG videos from 2015, 2016. <laughs> um, and embarrassing, that's the, <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> no, there's a lot of good information in there, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I, I, I'm gonna segue into that. But people think just because the video is old that there's not good enough information in there. And I tell people all the time, go watch my old videos. Just because it was old doesn't mean the information is still not applicable today. It might be better because it's more pure. You know, you maybe get polished later, but it's more pure. Like I was more in the trenches then. I'm getting back to that now with Uh the site. So, yeah, you're right though. So, what do you think is the number one best job for people that are trying to get into the industry? What do you think is the best job for them? Easy, easy. The anything where you can help a small site out so most people the reason i say that is because most people think the opposite they're okay like let me go to morehouse and apply as a coordinator or you know harvard Uh you guys think about that for a second like those people could care less all right they're not looking to make profit they some whoever's the decision maker there is taking a risk bringing you on. They're not going to do this. But a clinic like my clinic, for example, if somebody walks through the door and says, hey, Dan, I will help you get studies. I, I watched your videos. I know how to do clinicaltrials.gov. I understand it's mundane, just you know, emailing. I'll do that for you for free. If you get the study, feel free to pay me. In exchange, I want to gain some experience for my resume. Or maybe you don't like that. Maybe you're going to do community outreach for patients, mm-hmm. helping the site get patients. Or maybe you're going to help the site 
reach out to more clinicians like I'm supposed to be doing right now. I'm supposed to be finding other doctors, but guess what? I don't have time. Somebody can help me do that in exchange for experience on your resume. Now, before you guys start emailing me, you got to be in Yuma, Arizona. You can't. I'm not going to do this if you're in Chicago. Okay, you got to be here in my town to do this. Um, another thing, social media marketing. A lot of my audience and yours, I'm sure as well, are younger demo. Yep. You know, TikTok, if somebody came up to me and said, I'll make a Instagram page for your site and I'll manage it for free in exchange, I just want, again, I want to help you out. Whatever you're doing in research, I want to do that too to put right. on my resume. And guess what? Of course, I would say yes, because I need that. Again, you have to be here. If you are here, let me know. Yuma, Arizona. And don't move here. Don't move here. Don't guilt me into hiring you. Because <laughs> don't do that either. You got to be here already. Uh, guess what? Three months of them doing this and them putting the experience on their resume, any site would want to take them on because they have experience. But you know what? If me as the site owner, if I put in all this time, and they're managing my Instagram or my TikTok or whatever it is. And they kind of learn how to be a coordinator. Guess who I'm hiring when I need to hire a coordinator? There you go. That person. <laughs> <laughs> but people don't do that, man. People go to UCLA and get their resumes like tossed in the virtual trash. <laughs> people go, you know, they think because it's prestigious. And then these small sites, you never heard of them. But guess what? Small is the new big. That's where you need to go. Wow. Okay. So they should offer to work for free if possible. If possible. Um, now, as opposed to. I know for some people, they can't do that. I understand that too. Right. It's a little harder. A now, little are, harder. are you saying that they should do that when they could go get a job that pays them? Or are you saying in the event that they can't get one of those jobs, like, you know, CTA coordinator or. Yes, in the event that they can't. Of course, if you can go get a CTA job or a coordinator job, like, do that. I would even tell you, like, don't work for me for free when you could those guys will hire you uh you know they're they pay gonna you. pay you right but it, like talk to me and come back in six months if you're not happy i'll hire you back but right yeah no of course if if you've been reaching like dead ends and roadblocks which a lot of people have that's the route you should go even if you only have like one day a week to do it it's still worth it the, re the experience on your resume is what matters not con artist certifications on like Vimeo videos for $300. Right, right, right. Okay. So I guess my, my, back to my original question, which of those jobs would you say is the best one to get to start off your career? I think it's site, man. I think research assistant at a site. Okay. Um, here in, again, I'm going to use where I'm at as an example, but Yuma, it's a border town. There's a, actually people say there's not a talent base here. I say the opposite. There's a huge talent base here. It's all the foreign doctors from Mexico that, you know what job? I mean, these are doctors in Mexico, right? Like doctors, the only job they can get in the U S because they want a better life for themselves and their family is like medical assistant. Right. And what's that like 15 an hour. So you could be a coordinator, you know, you could be a research assistant. So I, I really do think that the site level is the best place to get started. If you're going to go CRO route, I do think like the route you took is good. Um, I think that requires a bachelor's at least. Yes. Um, if you don't have a bachelor's site level, but even if you do have a bachelor's or even higher, site level is good too. Okay. 
Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's really no wrong answer. It just depends on what kind of path you want to take. I just want to see what, what you were thinking. It depends um, on their end result. Like if they told me hey, I want to start a site in five years, I'm not going to tell you to go work at a CRO. Right. Uh, <laughs> but if you want to be a CRA, maybe the route you took is good or also a coordinator route would be good too. Yeah. Yeah. Coordinators definitely, uh, I think you definitely learn more and you, yeah. you have more breadth of experience. Um, but I also think project management is good for that too. Uh, even though I wasn't yeah. necessarily interested in pro the project management route, I did kind of start there. And I do think you do understand a lot in project management too. I agree. I actually glad you brought that up because I, I rarely bring that up because I don't like that position for me personally. So I don't yeah. talk about to me like that's PM would be hell, hell. For me. <laughs> the PMs I work with, I, they're like amazing, man. I don't know how, whenever there's a problem, I don't think people understand outside of research. There's three stakeholders, right? There's sites, CROs, and sponsors. Yep. Usually PMs work for the CRO. Whenever there's a problem from any of those stakeholders, the project manager gets called. Yep. So you're basically on the phone all the time dealing with problems. Yep, yep. And they're in meetings <laughs> all day too. All day, and they got to be organized. And on top, Yeah, PM is great great way to be a generalist also and yep. a lot of people come from other industries with pm backgrounds yep and that's a great transition into research you could be a pm assistant in research yeah um you're right now i haven't maybe you've seen this i haven't seen people that have been pms in other industries come straight into pm not straight they, no. they have to start kind of at the bottom again they have to go to that project management assistant role yeah they do pm assistant but it, like within six months they could do pm role especially if they have like some kind of training program i know cro's yep. are rolling those out those pm yep. training programs they're they're the cro's are so understaffed right now yeah um, it's never been a better time to be research naive and get a job either like I said that about the sites. Yep. But it's never been a better time to be research. It's just never been a better time period if you want to get into research. Yep. I agree. I have been working with a number of clients over the past few weeks and they are getting lots of calls back more than usual. Um, and for jobs that they are underqualified for. Right. Um, right. Right now. So now is a great time to be applying and be aggressive when applying. Yeah, you can't be picky, and I think the CROs are scrambling to get like their own training programs in order. Yep. PPD made a whole new position during the pandemic, remote site monitor. Yep. To kind of transition people into CRA, and you know that's working out well for them. But they're all, even though they are losing people to competitors, so yep. they're basically Ikevia say, okay, come here now that you finish their program, and we'll hire you. Yep. Uh, but that's the risk that they take to get you know they're 80 percent or whatever uh, because all of them are so behind they're like three months back on hiring yep you're right um so definitely a great time to be applying right now now let me ask you this because you were a i don't know if you're still doing this but you were a uh, contract cra right still doing it's wrapping up um thankfully <laughs> almost perfect timing um i have two sites for a contract that I have with a small Korean CRO. Um, and then I have my own CRO, which we only do investigator initiated trials. So thankfully Chris is handling those two studies. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm a contract CRA for two, uh, two sites, one study now, 
one it used to be two study now it's one study and they're wrapping down too they're they're no longer screening they're in maintenance mode so probably within a year i close out those and then they might offer me another contract i mean they're always needing a california they need a west coast uh coverage i just don't know if i would say yes this time uh if my site's that busy oh i see so how does someone who has let's say they have cra experience they've been to cra for a few years how does someone go about getting contracts so again start with the site level like this is america you can create your own business and hang up your shingle anywhere don't let those non-competes scare you there's some companies that make force people and scare the hell out of them with non-competes yeah medpace is one of them i can't say what go. they do i was about to say them i wasn't sure if it was them or another one with a m but yes medpace, medpace. for sure medpace is bad um however if you want to get your start there fine just don't be afraid of their non-compete um but hang up your own shingle while you're doing your job and go to sites in your area and tell them what what you're doing i'm a cra I'm looking to become a contract CRA. I will audit your studies for free, right? <laughs> for free. If you like it, just pay me on a monthly basis to come in whenever you want. I'll charge X amount of dollars, but I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it so I can have study experience under my contracting gig. Oh, okay. And now after six months of that, now you can, you know, you have like contracting CRA experience in addition to your regular CRA experience. So now you can go out and be a contract CRA because nobody wants to take a chance. So you've been a W2, now you're a contractor. Usually sponsors don't do that, but if you, you, you can do both at the same time. So I think the answer is at the site level for a lot of these questions. Okay. That's very interesting. I haven't actually heard of doing that because that sounds like starting like your own I guess, auditing business on the side or like FDA but audit readiness. It is. it is. At the end of the day, what's a contract CRA? I mean, that's kind of what you're doing. That's you true. Know? That's true. Um, yeah, that's true. That's interesting. I haven't heard that one before. I've um, done it. <laughs> I've, done it with my, I've just done it with the, my own sites that I owned. So I didn't need to ask anybody. Okay. I just put it and I monitored my own sites. And then I put all those studies on there. And then I started getting, you know, contract gigs. Oh, Okay. So then who, who do you reach to? Who do you reach out to after that, after you've got some contract experience under your belt? Because I know a lot of CROs will hire contractors through them. So mm -hmm. what they'll do is they'll bill this, the sponsor, like let's say $200 an hour, but they'll only pay the contract CRA $100 an hour. So right. they eat off that profit, that profit difference. Yeah, they so, do. So how can a contract CRA make sure that they get in, that they're either negotiating the contracts themselves to get the bulk share of the money or they're getting all the money being contracted directly to their company. It's one by one because so basically it boils down to how many calls are you getting or how many emails are you getting and then you can play them off especially in a environment like now. You can have an interview. Let's say you're interviewing me and you need to hire me as a contract CRA like your sponsor A and I say, "Hey, ECRG, you know, thank you. I've just been so busy. I just got another interview with a sponsor B and you know, they're they're they want me to start tomorrow. So, you know, what do you have in store for me? I mean, now now it's putting you on the on the defense, right? Like, oh, shoot, I got to get this guy. 
Uh, or maybe not. But if not, I mean, maybe they'll call your bluff, but maybe it's not a bluff. Like maybe you're actually having all those leads. So when you're getting those studies on your resume, that experience from auditing sites, put your redo your resume, put it out there. Start networking with some recruiters on LinkedIn. It's not going to take long for no, them to not. call you. <laughs> it's not. It's you're gonna start. I mean, I get offers like all the time. Um, I wouldn't say daily basis, and I'm not even putting anything out there. There's nothing out there except my LinkedIn. Right. No. Yeah. Um. Definitely. I know sponsors are definitely looking for contractors. Companies are always looking for contract CRAs. Honestly. Yes. They're always looking. Less um, liability. Yep less liability and you just pay them the money and you know, you don't have to pay benefits and all this stuff. No benefits. You could fire them. Well, I mean, there's no firing. You just say contracts over. Exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> that happens all the time too. Yep. Uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, I know that happened. Contractors first to get cut. Yep. I know that because especially when they switch to remote monitoring, they're like, well, we can have someone else do the remote monitoring now. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things, that I thought about that not, I don't think many people are talking about is with all of this remote work, what's to say if everyone's working from home remotely in the industry, right? What's to say that companies won't start just hiring people in other countries to do that exact same work since it's all the same. They're not, it, as long as you have an internet connection, you can do the work. So what's to say they don't hire someone in, you know, India and pay them, you know, five or $10 an hour to do the work. I think it's the, I think it's a couple of things because I thought about that too. Uh, and I think I'm pretty sure there will be some regulations around this as well. I mean, they can make regulations for just about anything. I'm generally against regulations, but in a case like this, I think it would be a good thing. Yeah. Um, I think at the end of the day, no matter how remote we are, like during the pandemic, I've never even heard of Zoom prior to March 2020. Right. After like June of 2020, it's been my life, including to this day. Like I'm on Zoom more than I'm on my phone, more than I'm on Instagram. That's like I live on Zoom. Right. But what is that? I have to talk like English. I have to I, I have to know the, the culture. I don't think that's so easy with somebody from India. You know, like if you get a PI on the other end and you're speaking in an accent that's hard to understand or you don't understand the culture or the time difference is off they're not going to do it like the pi is going to leave they're going to say oh i only got like one minute for this right you know? as opposed <laughs> to if you or i do it hey okay how much time you need okay 20 minutes is good i think that's what's gonna prevent a lot of that besides regulations i think it's just simple things like language and culture it's not the same especially when you're living on these remote platforms yep you need to have like better communication skills, not worse. Yeah. I think that's a good point about the regulation. I think something is definitely going to have to be done there because I think so. Cause I these mean, CROs are just looking to exactly. maximize profit exactly. for shareholders. Exactly. And that's, like, that could be a big improvement to the bottom line. If, even if, even if there's all those frustrations you're saying happen, you know, it, they, they might end up paying, you know, a third or, amount as much money to the employees um yeah so maybe i was a huge ahead of difference my, 
Maybe I was ahead of my time, and I've never done this, so guys, don't try to get me in trouble. But I'm trying to Yahoo Finance uh, what IKEA stock is worth while I'm talking. Uh, I've never done this, but I've I thought of it when I was starting out my site, like 2010, uh-huh. around the same time I started my YouTube channel, and then I decided to pursue that instead of this. But I wanted to create a business where I would hire people in India to because I read this book the world is flat around that time and mm-hmm. it opened my eyes I'm like all right I want to be a part of this how can I do this in research so I know sites have to do data entry and I know they hate it so I was going to create a company that hires people in India to answer data for sites right and then obviously the coordinator would answer queries but the initial data entry would be done Right. I think I still think it's a brilliant business idea, but there's going to have to be some regulations or and who knows, maybe some there's some sites doing that already. Maybe. I wouldn't doubt it. I would not doubt it. I've watched um I don't know if you know the Earn Your Leisure podcast, but uh they're pretty I big in business. Yeah. yeah. So one guy came on and he talked he built he builds his whole company outsource. So he like actually travels to India. They have whole sec- sections of buildings that are done for this work. And he was saying they've got like the employees are on the right time schedule and everything. Like yeah. they, they wake up right on the American time schedule. So they they're like adapting to this American work balance. And I think I think India is going to be ready. They, they are actually going to be I, ready for this. I think India is doing their own stuff. I think India. Yes, they've they've been known to do that. Just like China has been known as the low wage place to get manufacturing. India was the low wage place to get like your IT and stuff. Right. Done. Right. I think that both of those countries are creating their own infrastructure. I mean, Sun Pharma is huge. They're from India. There's a lot. There's a big biotech industry booming in both India and China where they're hiring their own people. So pretty soon they're going to tell United States. And I think that's another major macro force that's going to prevent what you're saying. Uh, OK. ECRG. Okay. It's going to prevent what you're saying. But there's always going to be another country willing to take, you know, like Vietnam is now like the new China when it comes to manufacturing or like Mexico, but they're not trained enough yet. So I think if the pandemic taught us anything as Americans, it's we need to start relying on our own infrastructure and start building our own infrastructure. Uh, I'm not a Trump supporter by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he did have it right in the sense that we are too dependent, especially on China 100%. for manufacturing our drugs. I mean, anything you need, the, the, the supply chain, it goes through China or India. Right. What happened when they turn that off and say, no, we need that for us? Right. You can't get it. So, so we don't make <laughs> anything in this country anymore. And yeah, that's for right. sure. So globalism's not all good either. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing that with us, Dan. We're going to go ahead and wrap up here. Um, you've been with us for almost an hour. I can't believe that. Wow. Wow, wow. <laughs> Um, so, you know, if people haven't heard about you, I don't know how they couldn't have heard about you by now. Where can they, uh, listen, uh, hear, hear your stuff or learn more about you and what kind of things you offer? It's possible, but yeah, good. Just go to YouTube and look up my name, Dan Sparrow. And then I have my blog, the clinical trials and I have all the other social platforms too. I'm trying to grow my TikTok. If you okay. want to help me out, go follow me on there. I think TikTok's going to become important in research. I think so because the next generation. I already got a few people like, "Hey, I want to learn more." So they're like CRC, CRA Academy leads, but like the younger generations, yeah, they're they're next, and they're okay. going to be the next uh, in-house CRAs pretty soon. 
Okay. So, so you would exchange, um, someone who could edit videos and put them on TikTok for you for some clinical research experience. If they live here. Yes. They have to live in, in Arizona. You have to live in Yuma, Arizona, because I want you to be, I want to eventually hire you here at my site. Okay. I see. I see. I see. All right. And TikTok, you got to be like in your face. You can't do it like on a Zoom. No one's going to watch that TikTok. You got to like be there. Oh, I see. I see. I see. So you can't just uh, rip videos from YouTube and edit them and put them on TikTok. I mean, you could. It's better than nothing. But no, because I want you to be here so that I could hire you because I will need coordinators um, at some point here. I can't do it all myself. Right, 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 right. right. (laughs) Okay. And don't Um, move here. Don't move here just to (laughs) hear this podcast. You're not going to guilt trip me into hiring you. That would be terrible. (laughs) Terrible idea. What if my PI says, Dan, I changed my mind. You're going to risk your entire future (laughs) off of somebody you don't know. Uh, Don't do that, guys. Okay. Um, Yeah, so don't move to Yuma, Arizona. Only if you live in Yuma, Arizona, hit up there. That's right. And uh, tell (laughs) them you can uh, offer some services. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thanks, Dan, for for, uh, sharing this time with us. Um, And, yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you, ECRG. I know I say this every time. It's very hard to not say your name. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.